0: Welcome to Mornings with Marit. Happy Thursday. Hope everyone's doing well. So glad you're here this morning. I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedules and your um, the chaos that we're dealing with a little bit to actually sit down and think about your employees right now. And um, today's episode is your employees are professional athletes. Are you trusting them to win, which is exactly what we need to be doing now more than ever. So just a reminder, if you haven't joined our Facebook page, we do have one. It's called uh, Facebook.com Groups Mornings with Marit. Just search Mornings with Marit and we'll, we'll add you in as a guest. We'd love to have you and join the interaction that we have there. We'd love to have some ideas. And we are actually gonna be asking for ideas from you over the course of the next couple weeks on what you're doing in your community. So that we can share that and tell the good story about what this industry is doing in their communities because at the end of the day that is why i decided to come back to the independent insurance system because i think our agents are really salt of the earth and they're doing so much for our communities i know that there's only so much you can do but i know many of you are giving back in fact i think i saw something with west becknell they're doing some things out there and giving back to communities so Thank you for all you do for them because it really is what we're all about at the end of the day. We also have a special episode out there. If you haven't seen it yet, it's called Strengthening Your Team and Staying Virtually Connected. And if you just go to iit.org forward slash Marit, you can watch that episode, it's available now. Um, it's an, It's another special piece. We actually thought we would only do this program once a month and now it's certainly escalating based on people's requests and the needs people have right now. So please go ahead and take a look at that. And I'm going to talk about some other special episodes that are available here today, even, and then next week as well. So today we're talking about your employees are professional athletes. Are you trusting them to win? And I think now more than ever, you know, when we have to send people out there and, and go to their homes and hope that they're doing their jobs and so forth, You know, it, it's a tough thing to do for some of us. Um, you know, Even when we've selected for talent, some managers are hamstrung by their fundamental mistrust of people. And this must, mistrust might be a product of some deep-seated insecurity, or it might be couched as rational conclusions. I think the human race is basically driven by selfishness and therefore most people will cut corners if they think they can get away with it. Um, but whatever its source, mistrust means that managers are extremely reluctant to let each employee find their own route and their own performance. And we know with athletes more than ever. Um, and this is why I've brought this presentation to to this concept: is when we have a team of professional athletes, we trust them to do their job. And that's what we need to be thinking about our employees the same way. You know, for a mist- Mistrustful person, the manager role is incredibly stressful. You know, the ambiguity of what might that employee be doing and the suspicion of whatever it is, I'm sure it's bad, must be excruciating. You know, unfortunately for managers like this, the rules and regulations they impose rarely succeed in quelling their suspicion. And they succeed merely in creating a culture of compliance that slows and strangles the organization of flexibility, responsiveness, and perhaps most important, goodwill. And this notion of trust must be earned. Um, you know, sensible though it may sound, great managers re- reject it. They know that if fundamentally you don't trust people, then there is no line, no point in time beyond which people suddenly become trustworthy. You know, mistrust concerns the future. And if you are innately and skeptical of people's motives, then no amount of good behavior in the past will ever truly convince you that they are not just about to disappoint you. Um, Suspicion is a permanent condition. And of course, occasionally a person will let you down, that'll happen, but great managers see it as this is an exception to the rule. And so, you know, innate mistrust is is probably vital for some roles like lawyering and investigative reporting, but we're manager, for managers, it's deadly. And so today I just wanted to spend a little bit of time because if if you happen to be innately skeptical, our world is changing. And I'm gonna comment near the end about what does it look like when people come back and it's worked and they want to continue those opportunities to work from home when they've been asking for it and now they've proven that it's worked for them. So today we're going to talk about our, our employees as if they're professional athletes. And I also want to give you a couple other opportunities for learning. And I don't know if any of you follow Patrick Lencioni. He's one of my favorite um, authors. And he's written books like The Ideal Team Player, The Five Dysfunctions of the Team, you know, Temp- the Five Temptations of a CEO. That's one of my favorite ones. But he does have a podcast out series out there, and I would highly recommend that you follow it. And it's TableGroup.com is what you would go to, and then just click on one of the podcast features. And um, one of my favorite ones is called The Simple, Effective, and Free Path to Loving Your your Work. We've actually listened to it as an organization with all of our employees as well. And so this is number 11, it was back in October. And, and it really resonated with me when I was listening to it because it, it talked about, you know, this is a way our employees can make their themselves happy or themselves miserable. Um, and, and really the tone of it is not as managers, you need to do this, but really as employees, you need to do this. But I will flip it around a little bit from a perspective of thinking about it from a, from the standpoint of you're the manager and, and th- these are the things employees need. First, they they don't want to be anonymous. Even your introverts, at the end of the day, they don't want to be a number within the cog of some wheel of some organization. So during this time more than ever, I think these three things that he talks about that really drive loving your work and a sense of community are need to be reinforced more than ever. So I would love for you to go listen to this and, and maybe even have your employees listen to it and have a conversation about it. But I challenge you to ask you, do you really know what's going on with your employees? Um, He even comments about the fact, you know, you ask somebody in an interview, how many people have you, you know, had the most amount of people that have reported to you? And people say, you know, 20. And then he drills it down and says, well, tell me about one of, what are their names? Well, do we know their names? Well, we might. Well, what was going on with them? And if you can't do that, then you're probably not connected. Now, we know people don't want to share a ton of information, but especially now, that Moment in time where you're connected. In fact, we as an organization right now are making sure that every day supervisors are touching base with their employees so we know what's going on with them and what their needs are. So, do you really know and can you be honest with yourself when you answer that? Also, are we sure that we're reinforcing to them that what they do really matters and oh by the way some of you might actually need this for yourselves too so this may be something that you're connecting with and going oh gee I may need to be thinking about this but I would certainly beg to say that today of all days what we do in the insurance industry what we're doing with people's lives and helping keep them together Um, helping them through these high-risk periods where people are concerned and worried, we really do matter. And I know answers are tough right now with business insurance and so forth, business interruption insurance and so forth. So it's really critical that we are reinforcing to our staff every day that what they do matters, that they make an impact and that they contribute, but be very specific. It can't just be, hey guys, great job. You guys, what you do really matters. It's gotta be, hey, what did you do today that makes you feel, you know, that you're doing well and you connected with somebody? And if they can say, you know what, I eased somebody's pain. I was able to resolve a question. If they didn't show up tomorrow, would it make a difference? Absolutely. And so we need to make sure that we're telling them that and reinforcing it almost in an over-communicative way. And then how do, do you know when, do they know when they're doing well and are you acknowledging it? And, you know, we talk so much about metrics. And this was like a good uh, reminder for me even, because I like metrics and dashboards and those types of pieces. But really getting people to think at really, truly about what difference did I make? And how do I know that I did a good job every day? And I think right now our employees more than ever need to know this is the one thing I need to do today that makes an impact that makes me say I did a good day because they don't get the luxury of walking away from the office with whatever they accomplish. So they're going to have we're going to have to infuse structure for them to think about you know what are they doing and when are they doing well and do they recognize it for themselves as- and it's really got to come from them individually and they also have to know if it's important for them that you as a supervisor are acknowledging it and aware of it. So, you know, one of the things that we talk about is, you know, selecting for talent is a manager's first and most important responsibility. And if he fails or she fails to find people with the talents they need, then everything else they do to help them grow will be wasted, you know, as as sunshine on barren ground, as somebody might say. And I love this famous quote from John Wooden, who's the UCLA basketball coach was, although not every coach can win consistently with talent, no coach can win without it. And so, you know, we talk about setting expectations for people and being clear about outcomes, but it really starts with, do we have the talent that we need on our team? And are we then letting people be free to be themselves to deploy it? coaches really at the end of the day, put people on the court or on the ice or whatever they do and say, I trust you. I've, I've hired you and brought you in and I expect you to perform. And I provide dignity because I recognize you uniquely and I honor what you do and I trust you. And you know, one thing that I've heard people say is, you know, do you play to win or do you play not to lose? And I think you manage in very different ways on both perspectives. So I, I obviously am of the, you know, component part that you hire great people and then let them be free, and let them go do their thing. And we hire great people and then sometimes say, nope, now I've got to control everything you do. And you know, controlling people is truly a false god. We'll talk about that a little bit. So we begin with making sure that you've got the right talent. So, in preparing for this presentation, I was thinking about athletes and thinking about what is it that we look for in top athletes. So I went and looked at this article, men's journal, of course. So it's all about sports and whatever. And here's what they talked about. And they're talking about the LeBron James and you know, a lot of great athletes out there. And they, this is what they do. They keep an optimistic mindset. You know, they stay focused, they're in control, they they know what needs improvement. Um, They have a strong sense of personal motivation, which I think is key. Um, I love this one. They develop holistically as a person and not just an athlete. You know, we can take this and just drop it down on all of our employees and think about who are my top athletes, and they're probably exactly the same characteristics. You know, we don't want people that are all 100% workaholic and don't have balance and aren't growing and developing in other ways in their lives you know, they also see an upward progression. And as you all know, First Break All the Rules is one of my favorite books and still quoting it even throughout this presentation. Um, But progression may not necessarily have to be about um, ladders on a rung um, or rungs on a ladder, I guess would be the better way to put it. But it's not about the hierarchy, but it's rather the expertise and the knowledge and the advancement from a standpoint of being um, respected so that that could be that too also top athletes fe- feel like they belong so it's fascinating when you hear some interviews about athletes that say you know what I, I'm just an employee of this organization they're making millions and millions of dollars but they're not connected um, and, and that's a big piece that we that we miss out on and you've seen me talk in previous presentations about how critical it is you know, that you do have that sense of belonging and community. It's not just about what you do or even how you do it. Um, they tend to have a strong network of support from family and friends that actually help them get through that. So you know that they have the support they need from when they need time to focus on things and so forth. They believe in themselves. I love this one. They appreciate the journey. It's not just about the end result and they trust and commit to the process of growth. Uh, They stoke an inner inner desire to succeed. They set challenging goals. and, And lastly, they manage stress. And so this is what I'd like you to think about today when we think about our employees, is are these as top athletes, are they doing this? Do we recognize this in them? And is it any different? We're paying them to show up and do a job. We're paying them a lot. And we expect them to do their jobs, are we gonna let them be free to be themselves? So um, in this book, you know, they talk about great managers and you know, first break all the rules, they'll comment on it all the time. And they talk about four things um, that that great managers do. And I'm gonna say your job as the coach is, you know, when selecting for talent, so, selecting someone, select for talent. Not simply experience intelligence or determination. Today we're going to talk about when setting expectations to find the right outcomes, not the just the not the right steps and why that's important. Um, and we'll also talk later on about things about motivating someone, focus on their strengths, not their weaknesses. Nobody wants to look and say, how do I become, you know, mediocre and go through remedial training to get basic. We want people to find those really great things people are at and say, how about we add and sprinkle on more knowledge and more skill, which is actually motivating for people. And then when developing someone, help them find the right fit, not simply the right rung or ladder. So it's a great book. It's an older book, but to me, it's sort of my Bible for management. We use it in our OPEX management class. We use it in in our own agency or our own office and organization as part of our cultural standards so when they talk about defining the right outcomes um they they talk about really getting good at articulating excellence and you know the reality is is that you know you cannot infer excellence from studying failure and then inverting it and the question might be why well because excellence and failure are often surprisingly similar the average average is the anomaly. So taking time to study your best, learn the whys, the hows, the whos of your best, and then select for similar talents is a key piece of this from a standpoint of moving, moving forward. So I always say, take the time to articulate it. What does excellence look like? What does it feel like? What does it sound like from a perspective of the client? Um, when what, What's the reaction that we're looking for? What's the reaction of the team? And when you can articulate that, you probably get pretty good at how you go about that. Um, also turning someone's talent into performance by helping them find their own path. And I'll talk about that in a minute, what that looks like. It's, it's about not feeling, getting rid of the idea of control um, and don't control the how. Let people get there themselves, but also You know, it's important to create tension. So people have a little bit of a stretch in there. Great employees really like that stretch and it it gives them a little bit of edge so it's not just too loose. Um, And then don't try and perfect people. So it's amazing how many times I've heard someone say, but I can get them to do that. If only they would. Well, they probably won't. Um, Let's figure out what they're unique at and capitalize on them and allow them to be truly talented at what they do every day by allowing them to use their natural talents. So, you know, when faced with the challenge of turning talent into performance, why do so many managers choose instead to dictate how work should be done? You know, everyone has their own reasons, but in the end, it's probably that allure of control, right? So, But any attempt to impose the one best way is doomed to fail. Okay, so first, it's inefficient. Um, The one best way has to fight against the unique, creative talents possessed by each individual. Second, it's demeaning. And I never really thought about this before, but as I was looking through this book, First Break All the Rules again, and we've read it a million times, but you always find something new. You know, By providing all the answers, it prevents each individual from perfecting and taking responsibility for their own style. You know, I've always said, if somebody presents something to you and it's 80% what you would have done and the 20, 10 or 20% is stylistically different, don't kill them by tweaking it. Allow it to be theirs and work with them. It's the yes and versus the yes but conversation when you're coaching folks. So they feel like you've accepted it and they're continuing to grow. But third, by imposing the one best way, it actually kills learning. So every time you make a rule, you take away a choice. And choice with all its illuminating repercussions is the fuel for learning. So we really need to make sure that we do that. Um, And in your attempts to get your people to perform, really never try to perfect people you know the temptation may be captivatingly strong but you must resist it it is truly a false god what looks like a miraculous career all is actually a disease that diminishes the role as we mentioned it demeans the people and it actually weakens the organization and this is one of my favorite comments in the book is you know the road to hell is paved with good intentions sad to say but that's what happens so just want to reinforce that with us right now so let's talk about defining excellence and i'm just going to throw out some ideas for you to be thinking about i I know that this is really about agencies and so forth but you know for us for instance we handle events big conferences and you know education or whatever it is that we're doing before an event we actually pause as a team and talk about what does excellence look like what does the experience look like how, what is the outcome that we're looking for and we'll drill down all the way down to okay well we want people to feel connected okay so what does that mean well if you see somebody standing by themselves go over and introduce yourself go and make them feel welcome make sure they get introduced to somebody who they can connect with and have a relationship with and so we actually take the time to process that as an organization all the way down to the behavioral level so that we know when we walk into a program this is what we're going to do some of you all might actually do you know programs now of course everybody's you know socially distant but when we all get back together again you might have you know education events for clients or your community and so instead of just saying this is what we're going to do and this is how we're going to educate taking the time to say this is what we're going to do. This is how it's gonna feel. What does that look like? We want them to feel welcome. We want them to feel you know, willing to share their questions. We want them to feel like we're experts. We, we want them to trust us and, and getting people to talk through that. You could even take that as much as a five minute conversation before you walk into a client's office or you're going out golfing with them or doing whatever it is that you're doing this is the experience and this is what excellence looks like and i don't think we do that enough um i would even say as much as we talk about it we probably don't do it enough as an organization but really drilling down just having that five ten minute brainstorm you know a big one would be if you have a renewal now interestingly enough yesterday when we were prepping for this jim gavin who many of you know said why do we call it a renewal? It actually tells our clients that they have a choice. <laughs> why don't we just talk about it as a continuation? So I had to just throw that nugget out there. Um, maybe we can change the world a little bit, but you know, when you're sitting down 90 to 120 days out and you're starting to plan that process for continuation with your client, what are we talking about with our, with our account managers and our producers and whoever else CSRs that might be in the room and say, what does a really great experience look like for this client? Include the client in the conversation. If you all contract to this is what it should look like, feel like, and what we need to do, it may end up with a very different outcome. than we're just checking the boxes. And I think sometimes we get caught up in, we've got to check the boxes. Did we hit the dates that we have? Did we meet the workflow versus what's really the end result and what does that feeling look like? Because it's that people make decisions based on emotion. We all know that. It's not just about what the product and price looks like. You certainly could do it at the beginning of a sales opportunity and you certainly could talk about it every day about what's the customer experience we're looking for. And today I'd actually even say to you, talking to your employees about what does excellence look like when it means getting through this whatever it is right however long that looks like what does excellence look like when we end it and we feel like we're back together Um, and are we taking time to have those conversations so people feel like I've got something to work towards because I think people truly need purpose and especially in a time where when do I get to go back to work or if you're still at work, what does this look like and how much longer? And what does it look like for your family and friends? And what does it look like for your kids? You know, will they go back to school? Will they not? It's so complicated. And I, you know, that's the unknown is probably what's making people crazy at this point. And I think as leaders, we have to be vulnerable about it and say, you know, it's stressful for us too. We're all in this together. And, you know, how do we make sure that we're connected with each other along the way Um, because right now I think more than anything we need empathy and we need compassion and that's really what our employees need um, and our customers need and we're actually going to do a presentation probably next week about communicating with your customers right now you know in in a time of crisis and really what they're going to want to do is is have a moment of compassion and communication and listening and hearing and that's probably the bigger need that we have more than anything right now. So when we talk about connection, as a reminder, what I would say is please take the time to find out, pick up the phone and call them, not just an email that says, how are you really doing? Um, if you have a call every day with your, your management team or whatever, just check in with people. Um, you know, everyone's got their own sense of stress right now. The other thing is I might say right now, tension may not be the right strategy. So, you know, we talk about tension, but, you know, there's enough tension, I guess, out there. So maybe now's the time to sort of take a break and get allow people permission to take a, you know, a breather. And, you know, when you're making shifts in your leadership style or talking to folks or making decisions, as always, but more than ever right now, I'd say be overt about your intentions. Be really clear about why you're why you're calling that you're trying to reach out that it's important to you and because if people don't understand your intentions and it's not a common thing that you do an activity that you do they will come up with their own conclusions about what that is and it's usually not the one you intended for it to be so you don't want to lose sight of that at this point also you know i think this can be a time of growth for people and you know some agencies are busier than others some Some of you folks are a little bit slower. In fact, I I talked to somebody from Texas Mutual the other day and he said, we're actually trying to get some more leadership development and supervisor training and create some new opportunities for people right now because their shift of what they're focused on is a little bit different. So, you know, taking time, um, so that you have personal growth and giving people space for that, I think is important. All of you being on the call today, that that's a great example of it. And I hope that this will give you something to work with. Uh, we, I think we're also going to have to spend some time figuring out how to reinvent ourselves on certain levels. There's some things that will be consistent, but I will tell you that I think the world has changed and it won't look the same. It won't go back to the same. So I almost call it you know, culture shock. So I grew up in in Africa, and we would have people come out there and visit us. And when they came back to the U.S., they never saw the U.S. the same again. You know, the abundance and and whatever. And so, we're going to go through that that concept of culture shock even when we go back to our offices because it won't look and feel the same, and people have different expectations. Our customers, our employees, our families. And so, getting our arms around that um, is important. But we want to position ourselves, obviously. To return stronger, so that we can then get to a point of, you know, celebrating. And I love this image. Of course, my son plays hockey, so why wouldn't I love it? Um, but you know, this is a moment of that it should feel that way when we all come back. And you know, it's interesting. I was um, reading this article yesterday, just in preparation for this, and it was talking about you know teams, and we all know the the common stages of teams: forming, storming, norming, and performing. And then they talked about actually terminating. And I thought, well, that's kind of weird, but it's actually true. They actually talk about, look at the end of a season, there's the you know, awards banquets, and there's there's all these honors that happen, but there's closure to a team at times. And maybe we need to figure out how we take that time to create closure Uh, as we finish projects, as we finish work that we're doing, and certainly as we finish this being working away from home and coming back to a new reality and being connected with each other. So highly encouraging you all to think about that as well. So in that vein, you know, I kind of think from a standpoint of us having athletes at work is that potentially right now we might be off season and you know my brother-in-law runs a big huge um, soccer academy in denver and all they're doing right now is trying to keep their players connected and what they should be working on and all of those pieces and same thing for us we've got work to do but we might also have bandwidth for other things so i think it's important that we talk with people about What should you be working on? What can we learn and grow? What can we learn while we're gone? What did we learn while we were gone? And being able to charge them with that and say, hey, look, while you're away, let's think through what we're learning, where you can develop, Um, but then how will we play differently? Because we know next season will not look the same. So I think that's an important strategy to put out there with your team to say, let's use this as a time to, to pay attention to the cues, and this, there's some of you that might have said i would never let my employees work from home before probably not very many people on this call but now you have to and it worked so what are you going to do when they come back and say it worked what's your strategy to respond to that and so getting out ahead of that getting your employees involved in what's the off-season conversation and concept but then what's going to happen is we're going into preseason. And so now we know we're coming back and we have to go all the way back and talk again about what's expected of me. So, you know, we've talked about first break, all the rules and that base camp, what's expected of me to have the materials and equipment. We everybody back down at base camp. Now we're going to, when we re-emerge and go into preseason, we're going to have to do it all again. And I think that teams that are really thinking about it and planning for it, so there's, just as few questions on the way back in as as there weren't going i mean we just know more and we can prepare for that and then i think it's important that you're really planning a good reconnection of the team so it's overt and it's thoughtful and it's not just back to business as usual which i don't think anyone will feel that way but just a reminder like what are the special things that you can do Um, As I mentioned, we have that other webinar out about how do you keep people connected now, but then how do you reconnect them in a different way than when they return? The book, The Culture Code, which is one of our favorites that we read, they talk about an after-action review. And this is something I'd certainly recommend, is when people come back, taking the time to say, what did we learn, Um, what worked, what didn't work, what can we continue? what can we take the best of it and make it part of our processes is truly, I think, the key to um, making sure that everyone feels like they can contribute their opinions and continue to rebuild and reinforce your culture when they come back. And of course, as I mentioned, making sure that you have that purposeful re-entry into the world. So, you know, as takeaways, I hope you'll think about a variety of things. I think, you know, I hope you'll think about what can we do now? What can we learn? Um, my buddy Steve Harville sent me an email today with some articles, which we'll share with all of you, but he talked about the 60-10 rule, which I thought was fascinating, and it was 60 minutes of work and 10 minutes of learning, you know, and and find something you want to get great at during this time because you're actually home and you have some creative things that you can do. Um, he, you know, a, We've actually got another webinar that we're gonna—I'll talk about here in a second—that gives some ideas about what to do on the break. Um, there's a book out there that a group of us through Opex are reading called *Atomic Habits*, and so it talks about look if you do one thing one percent better every day, look over a hundred days, you're you know 100 percent better. So find things that you're interested in, get your team working and connecting. Think about what the world looks like now. What are truly your expectations? And I take it back to the 80-20 rule. Not everyone's going to work the same that they used to, right? So now it's about what really matters at the end of the day. Do you know what really matters? Are you connected? Do people know that it, that you care? And I hope you'll at least take some of these Um points away and make it helpful for you and and connect back with us on a variety of things. So this is a a webinar that's now available on um, it.org forward slash Marit. Um, We built this one specifically for people who haven't really been working from home before. Uh, it, It got launched yesterday between some groups, so maintaining your sanity while you're working from home. So this may be something you might want to share with your team or even watch for yourself if you're getting a little stir-crazy. I know I have my moments, which is why I'm out walking around (laughs) as often as possible. Um, we're also next week going to be working on a special episode called "Communicating with Your Customers During a Crisis." So we'll make sure that that goes out, and you have access to that. And then the next standard one that we have, which May 14th sounds like a century from now, which means there's probably six webinars we'll do between now and then. But this is the next formally planned one, which is "Meaningful Action Really Requires Courage." So I hope you'll join us. I think I hope you'll get on our Facebook page and converse with us and be part of that conversation. Again, I'm going to ask you if you're doing things with your community where you're giving back, you're helping out folks, you're donating your time. I think I heard someone say, remember all those those places that you went and asked for money for before to support things? Go back and help them out now too. And I appreciate your time. I hope you all stay safe, um, stay socially distant, and I really look forward to connecting with you all again. Have a great day.